When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to Are We There Yet? I'm Katie Gossett. And when babies enter the world, you know all about it. They usually come out crying their heads off, probably because they've just come into this whole new environment. And yeah, they'll have lots of exciting things to look forward to, but there may also be a few more tears along the way for them and their parents as they grapple with some of life's big moments. We recently had my father pass away suddenly, and so we were presented with that when my children were two and four. So um, my children are older and recently they've lost an uncle they were very, very close to, so they've all been pretty affected by that. So in this episode I'm going to look at death, how we talk to children about it and how we help them through the grieving process. And this isn't the first time RNZ's tackled the issue. It had a crack back in 1980 with this series, Acquainted with Grief. How would you describe grief? to someone who had never experienced it. I should say that it's a sense of loss and desolation and divorce from the things that make up life. It's heavy stuff for children, themes of loss and desolation. How do you get across that concept of death to young people who are really still just learning about life? We talked to them quite openly about what had happened identified feelings that we were having so that they could see that when mummy's sad she is sad because granddad has has passed away. I think my daughter was kind of questioning what life was all about for a wee while which was a little bit concerning it was a little bit like what's the point which was not very nice to hear. I think some people think that they need to hide all that stuff from the children but it's also about closure a little bit, just being able to say farewell and give them the opportunity to see how the cycle of life works. So I've decided to call this episode Good Grief. That's the headline writing journalist in me. Now you might argue that grief isn't supposed to be a good thing, but there are certainly some ways of handling it that are better than others. And given that most of us will face it at some point in our lives, we might as well be prepared. Somewhere along the way we've been sold a line that life should not have pain in it and that bad things shouldn't happen to good people. I'm really sorry to say that this is far from the truth and that life will and should expose us to positive and negative experiences as we grow because otherwise how do we learn? Catherine Gallagher is our clinical psychologist and as you hear there, there's sort of no way around it really. Children need to find out what it's like to lose someone, even if that's hard for us to watch. The pain of others, especially if they're our children, feels really uncomfortable and distressing. And so we often rush to problem solving or it'll be okay. Seeing your children deal with grief like that is actually really, really hard as a parent because you want to be able to fix it for them and you can't. Instead, you really need to help them confront their feelings. 
The reality is that for pain to leave us, it first has to be acknowledged and validated, and we need to learn to care for ourselves and others while experiencing pain rather than avoiding it. For parents, this means we actually need to let our kids feel upset and then support them. So over time, we've probably got better at getting stuff out in the open and particularly discussing death and grief with children. But here in New Zealand, of course, the Māori culture has already been embracing a lot of these concepts for years. And the RNZ programme, back in 1980, looked at that too. When a Māori dies, the whole community is alerted. People come from all over New Zealand to share their grief at the tangi. Tano and friends are welcomed onto the marae with a karanga and that begins what's usually a three-day event where people of all ages are involved. When I was a kid, you weren't excluded, you were included. So everything from helping to clean the marae up and then when they bring the person who's passed away, it's an open casket. So you have to go around, kiss all your nannies and kuros, as well as kissing the the deceased in the coffin. Mm. So for you, as a parent, you've exposed your child to all of this? Yes, yes. Our daughter, she's been to a few tangis up home. One was her kuru. She was quite young then, so she found that quite difficult. Not because seeing her kuru in a coffin, but also just seeing myself, her mum, crying. But she's very, I wouldn't say used to it, but it's not a big thing for her. You know, she's sad that her koro passed away. She doesn't feel excluded. And I think it's very healthy for children in general to be exposed to death because it's, it's a part of life. You're born and you die. It's all part of it. And to exclude our daughter from it would be just so wrong. And it's a tradition that a lot of cultures appreciate. We spent the night at my father's house with the body and the children were free to go in and out of the room as they pleased. They were initially quite shy but then they just got more and more confident and poking <laughs> poking granddad, which he would have thought was quite funny. But it was just that getting confident and understanding and talking really openly about it in an age-appropriate way. Death can be a frightening and mysterious experience for a child, and it's often so because of cover-ups, gifts, elusive answers to their questions. And you know, while death is probably always going to be a bit mysterious and freaky for all of us, being straight up with children can make it easier to understand. Please use facts, such as this person has died, rather than words such as they've gone away or they've gone to sleep. Although such words and phrases might feel kinder for you and for them, it can be really confusing for children. And probably even more so for young ones. So we heard before about age appropriateness. What do you do if you've got more than one child, different ages, but you need to get that same information across to everyone? If there is a, a developmental difference between the kids, then when you are saying to the older child, here's the answer to your questions, it might be important that you know little Johnny or Mary needs to understand things a little bit differently. So we're going to tell her or him enough to help him make sense of it. Because if we don't tell them enough, our brains tend to make stuff up. Is it harmful to a child to be exposed to too much grief? 
I think that what kids need is for their needs to be kept in mind. <laughs> so it's important for kids to know that the grief is allowed and that mum or dad is upset. So their own feelings have some validity. But I think kids also need to see that mum or dad are taking care of themselves and that um, the message is that this is really sad and that we're going to be okay. Probably with my children I was the most open because they were unconditional with me (laughs) and I was able to cry openly and they saw me at my best and they saw me at my worst. So for parents it's a bit of a balancing act. We do need to let them know that it's okay to grieve but we also need to show them that we're in control when they need us to be. If what the kids see is that the people who are normally the ones who are together and keeping them safe are completely overwhelmed by the stuff that can feel scary too. Which doesn't mean as a parent you beat yourself up because you've become overwhelmed, but it's how do we gather ourselves up and make the repair. Saying, hey look guys, you might have seen me getting really upset, but you also need to know that I'm okay. It's also good to let your children know that they can ask you about anything, particularly things they might have overheard. And then, if they're able to process their grief, they might be able to show empathy for others, possibly even for us. I've noticed they've been a wee bit more maybe caring. You know, when I was crying, they would just come up and give me a cuddle. So it was quite special. And over time, things often start to get easier. I tend to view grief as a bit of a messy ball of all sorts of emotions and thoughts. At any one time, different emotions come to the fore. But what happens in time is that life and other experiences and the supports we get build around it. And so the ball gets smaller in proportion to your life. But bear in mind that ball can blow back up again, sometimes when you're not expecting it. A trigger such as an anniversary happens, and it's going to cloud your vision for a while. This is to be expected. So rather than seeing it as a backward step, or something that we're failing at or not moving through, it's something to prepare for. Embrace yourself, because this is a long-term thing. Questions and confusion may keep coming for quite some time. They'll go, oh, where's Grandad gone and what happened? And Well, Grandad was sick and he unfortunately died. Just being honest with them was really beneficial because they were able to then process it and then that translated into other situations. We might see a dead bird and going, oh, the bird's died like Grandad. Mummy, when are you going to die? You know, so we had some quite deep conversations. And as all these questions come out of the woodwork, you realise that everyone handles grief slightly differently. Which brings us to this problem. What do you do if you have a child who makes no comment about a death, asks nothing, and doesn't appear to be grieving? If your child isn't asking any questions, it can still be really important to provide some age-appropriate information, often in a drop-and-run kind of way. Because they may not want to sit down and have a big conversation about it, but there may be some important pieces of information that they need to know so that their brain can digest it. We actually build resilience through effectively managing tough situations, not through avoiding them. And in fact, avoiding them tends to make us less resilient. The truth is you cannot love without loss, and you cannot experience loss without it hurting. The stronger the love means the greater the pain. And although this feels like crap when we're in the middle of it, we must remember that a life without love might make loss easier, but is that the life we want for our kids? Who wants that life? Who indeed? Well, that's it. This podcast was presented and produced by me, Katie Gossett, mixed by Adam McCauley, and the executive producer is Tim Watkin. As always, we have great archival audio, courtesy of Nga Taonga Sound and Vision. If you liked the show and you want to hear other episodes, you can find them on the RNZ podcast page and Apple Podcasts. 
And while you're there, have a listen to Voices, a podcast that shares the stories of our ethnic communities around New Zealand. And finally, don't miss our next episode when I'll talk to parents who are doing the same tough job as everyone else, but they're doing it while living with a disability. Hi, I'm Kara Berry, host of Everyone's Business But Mine, and I am an all-inclusive addict. Enter Club Med, the best all-inclusive for you and your family. With resorts worldwide from their family flagship resort, Club Med Punta Cana, to their only mountain resort in Canada, Club Med Quebec, they have everything you need to relax. With their 20-plus sports activities, wellness programs, you can dine on delicious cuisine and make memories with your family. So book your next getaway with Club Med. Visit clubmed.us or call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor.